When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After completing his 17th season at the University of Alabama, six national championships at Alabama, one with LSU, Chris Lowe, ESPN.com, one of the best insiders we have in college football, is reporting that Nick Saban, at the age of 72, is retiring from the great game of college football. With Jake Asman in for... Well, Amber Wilson, who's uh, well, either under the weather or avoiding our producer, James Steele, in, in light of their Miami and Kansas City matchup. Uh, she is a diehard Dolphins fan. He's a Chiefs fan. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. And, Jake, we appreciate your time here on ESPN Radio tonight filling in for Amber. Uh, this one did come as a bit of a surprise. But after a long conversation where you are still in Houston after the national championship, uh, I just left Houston after the natty. I had a very long conversation with a very prominent Power 5 head coach about the state of college football after the game. There may have been a beer or two involved. And uh, he, he told me, man, the game right now, because I was talking about my brother Devin, who, who coaches special teams for Carolina. He said, tell your brother, do not come back to college football. It's a, it's an, it's a dog-eat-dog world right now. We're all wearing milk-bone underwear. Stay in the National Football League because it is just nasty right now. And unless you're a head coach or a prominent coordinator at a handful of P5 blue blood jobs, stay in the NFL. Jake, how much do you think the state of college football, with the way the NIL is right now and the portal and having to go rob from one of your best friend's rosters to go and – because if you don't, somebody else is and they're going to go get that guy to beat you, right? And you have to re-recruit your own roster led to Nick Saban saying, finally, Miss Terry, it's time for us to ride off into the sunset and go to our big old lake house in the mountains of Georgia. Ian, I think that has everything to do with why Nick Saban, who needs football, breeds football, loves the coach, has talked about how he's not even thought about retiring over the last couple of years, is stepping away still at the height of his powers. I mean, this Alabama team made the college football playoff. They beat Georgia, the consensus top team. This was not even Nick Saban's, in my opinion, one of his great teams he's had, and he still got this team to the college football One of his best coaching jobs, I would say. 100%. 100%. So this guy is still at the height of his powers, and he's walking away. And to me, it has everything to do with the state of college football. Nick Saban probably figured, man, I don't have to deal with this. I'm already the best. I've won seven national titles. won six at Alabama. I don't need to deal with having to recruit my own players every single year. I don't have to deal with trying to go to boosters and fundraise for NIL every single year now. I think at 72 years old, even the great Nick Saban was like, I'm good, and it's shocking to me, but based on what you heard and just kind of reading through the tea leaves, maybe it's not as crazy as it initially sounds when you hear the greatest college coach of all time is actually retiring. And how much doing the McAfee show on Thursdays, which was very out of character for him to step out, especially on a Thursday, which is an install, still an install day you know, in college football, Right where he was doing more media. Heck, man, he even laughed at a, at, at a comment that I made to him. I've never seen him laugh in a pregame interview when I had him against Mississippi State. You know, and and he, he kind of gave me a chuckle and a pat on the back. I'm like, who 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 are you? Right? I mean, like like how much of all of that now when you see how I don't want to say lighthearted because man, during a game and that Mississippi State game I referenced that that we had on ESPN Radio with Kesty and Kelly Stoffer. I mean, he was still as ornery and fiery and breaking headsets as he's ever been. The man needs coaching like you and I need oxygen. That's a line from Reese Davis, who will join us coming up in just a bit, to react to this massive news of Nick Saban stepping down, according to Chris Lowe, as the head coach of of Alabama. Charles Barkley will be here with us. Shane Beamer, head coach of South Carolina, will join us. Albert Breer will be here. I mean, it's a whole onslaught of people reacting to not just this news, but also Pete Carroll stepping down as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. But when, when you saw the way he acted this year, I mean, now that we know that, 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 according to Chris Lowe, this is happening, that you look back on what we saw from him, 
that you go, you know what? Maybe this was in the works from the beginning with he and Miss Terry. Does the timing feel weird, though, Ian? Like, why now? Why not right after their season ended or maybe it, it, it kind of been maybe more rumored that this could be coming so Alabama maybe was more prepared seemingly to go out and have to hire a coach? I mean, you talk about what Alabama now has to do. You, you want to be the guy that replaces Nick Saban? Like, good luck, whoever gets that job. It just feels like the timing of this is a little odd, no? Well, I, I would say this. As, as far as the timing, I don't know Nick Saban. Look, we are friendly, right? We're not, we're not friends. I mean, is if that makes sense? Like, if if I see him, especially on a field, you know, yeah. I mean, he's, it's, he's he'll walk up. If I see him in the facility, and I happen to be there either doing a feature or for a day, you know, it's a hey, how are you? And that's about it, right? But he has immense respect for the game. And if this decision was made three weeks ago, a month ago, before the season, whatever it may be, right? He was not going to interrupt the college football championship, the college football playoff. There was no way that – and look, again, this news is not from Alabama. This is not an official announcement. This is a, a Chris Lowe reporting. And if Chris Lowe's reporting it, when it comes to the SEC, you can take that as gospel, right? I mean, that's it's like Shefty as Pete Thamel. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's stone, right? But knowing him, there was no way he was going to have anything get out before the national championship game because he has so much respect for the game. And then the day after, uh, have have whomever was going to win it, whether it was Kalen DeBoer and the Huskies or Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, right? It was going to be, you could ha- let them have their moment. And then it gets, and again, we can't emphasize this enough. This is not from Saban. This is not from Alabama. But it is out now. And that, to me, is part of why. Uh, as you mentioned, like, why now? there was no way he was going to take away from the shine of any team and any coaching staff and any player that just won a natty. And Chris even mentioned in his reporting on his Twitter account that Nick Saban's officially told the team, so it's out there. I mean, this is not yeah. something that could really be disputed at this point once the team knows. It's just it's hard to fathom. It's hard to put in the words because, you know, take someone like Bill Belichick with New England. You know, the success of the Patriots since Tom Brady has left, it's clearly been – going downward like the Patriots are sitting right now with the third overall pick so there's been a lot of speculation and rightfully so about Bill Belichick's job we haven't heard anything about Nick Saban that to me is why I think it's it's so initially shocking that this is happening now because as we were talking about earlier in this segment Ian Alabama made the college football playoff Nick Saban is still at the height of his power overtime Jake overtime (laughs) man they're one play away from going to another national championship they're right there yeah yeah I mean great point of course And, and you, you know, you can compare that with Belichick, who's Nick Saban's closest friend in coaching. Both both guys have talked about it. You know, the Belichick speculation has been ongoing for a long time already. Nick Saban is coming seemingly out of nowhere because, as you bring up, they were this close to playing in this game here in Houston on Monday night. He's Jake Asman in for Amber Wilson. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 8. You can always join the program on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776 ESPN Nation is presented by the great taste of Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Having said that, also on the NFL side, Pete Carroll stepping down as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks will stay on as an advisor. That's another dude who not only won a Super Bowl, but a natty at USC. So we have Nick Saban stepping down today as head coach at Alabama and another coaching legend in Seattle and Pete Carroll stepping down as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. What the hell's next, Jake? I I mean, mean, is Belichick (laughs) coming up tonight? It feels like the way the last 36 hours have gone. I mean, you obviously the big one, Saban, Pete Carroll, but then you have yesterday Mike Rabel. You just continue to have shocking coaching uh, moves, transactions, retirements, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been crazy how often the lead story seemingly has changed today on what you and I were going to be discussing on ESPN Radio. Yeah, I think our rundown has, has been uh, you know, just torn up and turned into toilet paper about 17 <laughs> times tonight. And, and uh, you know, when, when our producer, James Steele, starts pulling on that majestic, juicy beard of his and then starts rubbing his ponytail back, that's when he's like, oh, my God, what's next? Well, he's either angry with us because we didn't do something or it's, oh, God. What's next? <laughs> James, how you holding up, Coach? I know you got your Chiefs jacket on right there. You good? We're all, we good? We're good. You sure? I think so. Positive? 
Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Reese Davis on deck right here reacting to the retirement of Nick Saban and more right here on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Breaking news from Chris Lowe, ESPN.com. Nick Saban retiring, stepping down as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide after 13 SEC titles. Six titles at Alabama, seven total, including the one at LSU. 28 years as a college head coach, stepping down at the age of 72. With Jake Asman, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. You're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 8, Jake filling in for Amber Wilson, who's still out a bit under the weather. And let's bring in a guy who knows college football as well as anybody, and that is Reese Davis, who returns here to ESPN Radio. And, Reese, we thank you for your time, man, especially on a very busy evening. Uh, when you saw the report that Nick Saban was retiring from Chris Lowe, your reaction was what? A little surprised um, because uh, there have been several times over the last few years, Ian, where I thought he was seriously considering uh, retiring. Um, I don't know that I got that vibe as much this year. I do know that um, you know constantly re-recruiting your own roster and everything you know has has worn on him a little bit. Um, as it has every coach in college football. But he did such a spectacular job this year with that team, uh, bringing them along, winning another SEC championship, having a chance to, to win the Rose Bowl. Um, I didn't necessarily get the sense that, you know, he was, he was ready to do this. Um, you know, assuming that as we speak right now, you know, the story's still unfolding. But, um, you know, it's, so I'm a little – Mildly surprised because he has been considering it off and on for the last several years. But, you know, I've, I've repeated that line many times and have even talked to him about it, you know, at times. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a, um, you know, it's a surprising in a way. But I tell you this, man, uh, there is no discussion or no argument in my judgment that this is the greatest college football coach who ever lived. Um, in addition to the seven national championships, if, you know, and I know people, you know, complain about this and say he got this break or that break. He also had, he also had some tough breaks that kept him from having about 10 or 11. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. want to think about that type of consistency, absolutely astonishing. And, he what he was able to restore at Alabama and build at LSU because LSU was a coaching graveyard for about half a century. Nobody could figure it out. And he not only fixed it in the time that he was there, he built it in such a way that it has sustained and let two other coaches win national championships there, you know, and put another one in position where it's an unbelievable foundation to do so. So, uh, you know, there's just the, the number of players that he developed, the structure, the development of players personally on the field and off, the leadership in the sport. There are a lot of great coaches, and there are a lot of great resumes, and all of them are vying for second place behind Nick Saban. How much do you think the NIL slash portal, meaning ridiculous free agency with no salary cap attached to it like the NFL or any other sport, led to this decision by Nick Saban? 
Uh, he didn't like it. I mean, I don't think he's made any um, secret about that, but it's like anything else. You know, people people have like gotten on him, but they didn't understand the point about things over the years. Like when he asked uh, years ago with all of the, you know, fast, 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 fast tempo with the offenses, is this what we want football to be? And people say, oh, you just can't keep up, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, I, I'm not sure that's what football should be, but if that's what you're going to do, and then boom, you know, they bring, they bring in Lane Kiffin, they get Tua, you know, and then they're, you know, they're wearing out. Mac Jones are wearing out everybody, Jalen Hurts, and they're wearing out everybody. And you want to play that way? Go ahead. You know, and they do the NIL. Okay, you know, maybe there's a better way to do this, but they're going to be at the front of that. Transfer portal. I don't think it's a good idea, but if everybody else is doing it and I've got to get Henry Toto, then that's what we're going to do. You know, so it's um, he adapted better than anybody um, that I can think of. And he certainly did so with the NIL and the transfer portal, because, you know, I don't know what type of statement you think you're making if you're going to uh, on some type of moral high ground. say, Well, I'm not doing it. You know, if it's within the rules, I mean, and it was within the rules. And so he said, okay, not sure this is best. I voiced my opinion, but if this is what we're going to do, then I'm going to excel at it. And I think he probably did the same thing with those two areas. But I do think that, um, that the constant nature of landing a star recruiting class and then having to re-land it, you know, the next year right. is, taxing, is taxing on everybody. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, that, that Nick dealt with, you know, very well, but probably had at least some factor in, in it as well. A ridiculously way too early, and if you are just tuning in, Chris Lowe reporting that uh, Nick Saban is retiring as the head coach at Alabama, um, a successor. I mean, Dan Lanning's name has been thrown out there. He was a GA at Alabama, then went on to be defensive coordinator with Kirby Smart at Georgia. Uh, you know, Kirby taking him over from Alabama. I mean, it, that's one name that's been out there, along with several others. Right now, and I know it's way too early, and I'm putting you in a very bad position here, R.D., but you are my big brother, so I can do that to you. Successor mm-hmm. at Alabama, give me a short list. Uh, Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer. Um, I know that's easy. I think Dan Lanning would probably be first. He's got a massive buyout. Um, I, I would think that they would probably look at Kalen DeBoer, and they might look at Mike Norvell. Um, and I think had Mike Elko not taken the, the Texas A&M job, he, he probably would have been in the mix. But um, I would say that that would be the first place to look. Uh, and, then, and then beyond that, you know, it, it, could, be, it could be anybody's guess. Um, if, do you have anybody you're thinking of that I'm leaving out right now? No, Landing was my first. And, you know, and, I, think and- landing, I think Landing is the most obvious is the most obvious But damn, target. R.D., he's no. got Camelot out there at Oregon. You and I had a long conversation with him uh, down in Houston during the national championship, and he seems very, very happy at, right. at what he described as Camelot, right, out there I, at Oregon. I don't, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, and it would be perfectly reasonable if he, I mean, you know, we're, this is unfolding. We don't know where they're going to target. Right. But um, I think that... You know, it would be perfectly reasonable for Dan to say, I have everything I need here. I'm going to the Big Ten. We don't have any issues like that. Um, And Oregon certainly draws in recruiting. But there is certainly a more natural and closer geographical uh, base, even though Alabama recruits nationally now, as Oregon does too. Um, There are some, some inherent advantages that Alabama will probably always have over Oregon in, in some regards. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And, and also, look, man, I mean, there's a lot of money at these places, but $20 million is a lot of money, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that may be an extenuating circumstance that, that can't be navigated. But, um, you know, I, I think he would probably be the guy that would be the most logical uh, fit, most logical successor uh, there. And I think those would, those would be the choices. I think the, uh, the idea of Dabo Sweeney, as good a coach as he is, I think that's probably um, that's probably past time. Not that Dabo's not in the prime of his coaching career, but he, he's built such a giant at Clemson. 
Uh, he's you know trying to get it back on track right now, and that probably is not something that that will happen. I don't know. Uh, that wouldn't. That would. I would imagine speaking, not messing with Happy, that Dabo would probably you know probably be more interested in staying put. But I think um, the other two names I mentioned, along with uh, Mike Norvell, potentially are guys that, uh, you know, they could certainly, could certainly get a look. Um, another, another guy sort of, oh, you and I talked about this, about how, um, you know, about how NFL jobs are probably better than college jobs. I yeah. mean, D'Amico Ryan certainly would have oh. been, would have been a candidate uh, prior to the fact that he, <laughs> that he turned into a, a terrific <laughs> NFL coach in exactly one year. But I think that D'Amico Ryans would certainly, you know, they might, you know, just there might be a situation where they just make sure, you know, that you got to make the not, phone call, right? Interested. I mean, Mama called, yeah, I, right? Bear Bryant. I think so. Yeah. The, the one thing I would, the one thing I would say though, is that coaching in college is an entirely different animal Amen. right now. Yep. And D'Amico, and D'Amico, while you know a terrific coach, has spent. Um, uh, if he's been a college coach, I'm not aware of it. He's been in the NFL a long time, yep. and you know, so. There's that too. I think for a job like Alabama, it's pretty tough to hire a guy who has like very little college experience. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying you can't hire a coordinator, although I don't think they will. But a guy that you know doesn't know the NIL, doesn't know the portal, doesn't know the high school coaches, doesn't know the the agents representing these guys. That's that's a, that's a really difficult spot to put somebody in. So I would think you would probably. Um, probably see a head coach, uh, head coaches be candidates for the most part, and guys with extensive college experience. All right, Reese, hang on the line for a moment because we want to get your thoughts because you were the last guy to talk to Jim Harbaugh and get his future. But, but Jake, your reaction so far from what we have talked to Reese Davis about quickly, give me 10 seconds before we bring Reese back. He's spot on when Reese talks about Saban's ability to adapt. The game has changed. Nick Saban continued to find new ways to win, and when people counted them out, Alabama was still right there at the end of the day. He's Jake Asman. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. RD, good enough to hang on, man. He was, again, the last man to talk to Jim Harbaugh following the national championship. Nick Saban retiring. Pete Carroll out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, staying on as an advisor. What's happening with Jim Harbaugh? RD answers that question next on ESPN Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Michigan. They are your national champions. Nick Saban, according to Chris Lowe, and Nick Saban, as Chris Lowe has reported, has informed his team he is stepping down as head coach of the the Alabama Crimson Tide. With Jake Asman in for Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. You're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, Reese Davis, good enough to stick around here with us on ESPN Radio. Charles Barkley coming up in a bit. To react to Nick Saban, Shane Beamer, head coach South Carolina, Albert Breer, and a lot more here on ESPN Radio. But RD, uh, we, we we got we we we've talked about Nick Saban. Your thoughts as to how his impact on college football and what he's meant to the game. He's the best to ever do it. Now we we we'll get your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh. You were the last person to have a conversation with a Michigan head coach following his national championship for the Michigan Wolverines. In that conversation. You're the best at looking at mannerisms and reading body language. What'd you learn? Not a lot. I mean, I, you try to get a read on Jim, and it's tough to do, Ian. I mean, I mean, not a lot in terms of if we're talking about what his future holds. I mean, you know, he said no man knows the future, and you know, and then you know, reminded me that that's biblical. And uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it was it was an interesting conversation. It was one of those things that when I left, I thought, oh man, I wish I'd. Uh, phrased a question, you know, there was a certain way that I would, the question that I left on the table that I wish I had um, phrased and said, what would it take to make you leave Michigan? 
And that would have been a very good question. And, and in hindsight, and you know, it's one of those things that you think of afterwards and you sort of kick yourself. But I do take solace in the fact that knowing Jim as I do, that I would have gotten the same answer to that question uh, that I would have gotten had I asked him, Jim, what do you think about the move from horse-drawn carriages into gasoline-powered <laughs> engines? You know, you would have gotten pretty much the same answer. You know, so, you know, he wasn't, you know, you weren't going to, you weren't going to, you know, catch him in a moment and say, well, it'll take, you know, $15 million in control of the franchise. And, you know, it, you know, he wasn't at a place to give that. And there's also that, um, you know, you try to balance being respectful to the moment as well as doing, doing the job that has to be done, which is asking about the future. And he actually opened the door to asking about the future because when we were talking about the, criticism and how it might be perceived on the outside. And he said, no matter what, you go back to work. He said, and that's what we're going to do, go back to work. So that was how I, I took that opportunity. It's okay. Where's work going to be, you know? And that was when I got the no man knows the future and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I do think one thing that I learned, there was one thing that I learned that had nothing to do with his future, Ian. It was said in Jeff, but it also gave you a little glimpse as to what drives him. He said, I wanted, I wanted to make my dad proud, and I wanted to be a champion like they are. I mean, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Basically, his father, Jack, won the national championship at Western Kentucky uh, back when it was still called 1AA, now FCS. Obviously, John won the Super Bowl against Jim. And... That, you know, he made the joke, I get to sit at the big person, right. you know, the big person's table now. So, but he did say, and it was a moment of candor, I wanted him to be proud of me. And he said, I know he's proud of me and I know he loves me, but I wanted him to be able to say my son's a national champion. So I think you got a little, you know, and he said he wanted his kids to be able to say my dad's a national champion and, you know, and celebrate it together. So there's a little insight there. We know he's hyper-competitive and driven and a great coach and all of that. But um, I, I thought that that was probably, um, you know, that was probably a little insight into a little further insight into what makes him tick. You know, R.D. and Reese Davis, host of ESPN's College Game Day, one of the best in the business to ever do it, joining us here on ESPN Radio, putting a bow on the college football season. And he was the last man to have – well, the last conversation following the Natty with Jim Harbaugh, head coach of the national champion Michigan Wolverines, and the Manning family RD is like you know, the the first family of quarterbacks. How how, yeah. how would you identify the Harbaugh family when it comes to coaching? First family of coaching. Uh, amen. I mean, who, I mean, who who's got it better than them? <laughs> if, I can borrow, if I can borrow the phrase, I mean, they now have national championships at two levels with two different coaches, and they have a Super Bowl, and they have a Super Bowl runner-up. They have an NFC championship to go along with that, you know, with um, and an AFC one, obviously, that you get going with the Super Bowl with John. So, look, I thought about that. It's really interesting. I guess you and I have been friends for a long time, Ian, and we think a lot. I was thinking about that on the plane and actually had that same thought about, you know, the uh, unbelievable Manning legacy at quarterback from, you know, my all-time favorite Archie, uh, you know, Peyton and Eli, and, and we expect that at some point Arch is going to continue that legacy. Um, the Harbaugh's are that in coaching. And it's really, it's, it's really a fascinating thing, um, you know, that, that all of the guys have been able to follow this passion and, and do it. You know, Marty Smith and on our show that, you know, Jack, the father, had taken a little exception to Jim being called quirky. And, you know, he went through and said, you know, relating to the players and winning and all that's quirky, I'll take it. So I, I told Marty on there, I said, hey, look, man, I understand what Jack's saying. Jim's quirky. He is. You know, and and so's Jack. Oh yeah, a little so's bit, Jack. You know? I mean, right? So's yeah, Jack. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, there's and there. That's not a slight. You know, no. It makes them in, it makes them interesting, and it's one of the reasons that while you know I I have no horse in the race, but from a content standpoint and uh, a cornerstone of the sport being uh, being the coaches because they are the constants and uh, you know they're the ones who return year after year. We need interesting people in those spots and people who aren't afraid um, to get outside the corporate speak and 
uh, get outside what their agent might, you know, encourage them to do, which there's nothing wrong with that either. But, you know, Jim marches to the beat of his own drummer, um, and we need that in the sport. So from a personal standpoint, I would very much like to see him stay at Michigan. Uh, but, you know, as he says, no man knows the future, but I guess we'll find out over the next few weeks. Was there any gauge at all from any, you know, little – and you read people as well as anybody. That's one thing that you taught me coming up in this business, man. Just just, just read people and, and listen intently to their answers. Is there any little tip that he may have given you as to whether he stays in college ball or goes to the National Football League? It was more a demeanor. And, look, I'm not pretending to be, you know, really – close personal friends with Jim Harbaugh. We're friendly. And there's a, there's a difference there. Um, no doubt. But my read on it is it felt like it felt like mission accomplished. It didn't feel like a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave, but it felt likely just sort of, I'm almost, I'm almost um, also using to inform this judgment that, he was much looser and much different, and um, you know, in the weeks leading up Rose Bowl and the national championship game, than he often is. Um, so, you know, not that he has a deal done, but it was almost like uh, you know maybe a, a weight had been taken off because he knew this was the last ride. He obviously felt very good about his team, and rightfully so. And um, you know. So I, I still think the vibe, if you want to call it that, the kid's language is that he's going. But, I, you know, I would, I'm not going to be, you know, stunned beyond words if he decides to stay at Michigan. Reese Davis, host of ESPN's College Game Day, joining us here on ESPN Radio, putting a bow on the 2023-2024 campaign of the college football season. And if you can sum up the season, R.D., going back to – you know, two-a-days in training camp and then the end of August and September to now. How would you sum up what we just saw? <laughs> um, maybe maybe, I'm, uh, maybe I, I'm too locked into the metaphors of carnival rides, but it was sort of like one of those <laughs> wild carnival rides they set up in the parking lot. You don't know exactly whether you're buckled <laughs> in completely or not. You don't know exactly – you know, whether, you know, whether this thing's going to operate at the way it's supposed to. And you're looking at that carny of the controls. Like, is he stone drunk or is he just, uh, is he yeah. awake? Right. Did he, did, he, did he just leave us running and walk over to the Seven Eleven for a hot dog? You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what's happening here exactly. I think that would be it. It was kind of a bumpy, tumultuous ride. There were things that uh, hadn't really happened in the playoff era most notably Florida State. Um, you know, that has been a, a weird dynamic, certainly with the noisy contingent of French fans. And you couple that with, you know, them uh, wanting out of the ACC dating back to the summer and then sort of uh, uh, seizing this moment of emotion to, to escalate that effort. Uh, the har- you know, the, the head coach of the national champion wasn't there for half of the regular season, he was not right. on the sideline. You know what I mean? So it was like a, and they're six a, and zero without him. Six and zero. Yeah, right. right. You know, it was a weird thing. The team that, um, you know, probably uh, was the biggest threat to Michigan. All due respect to Alabama, I know pushed them to overtime, but you know, Georgia ended up, uh, you know, losing. You know, losing to a nemesis. You know, you. They felt like they had slayed that dragon, and then maybe not. Dragon had a little more fire to them uh, than they than they thought. So it was kind of a there, there were some unexpected turns, and then you had uh, more teams that were uh, worthy of a playoff berth, and more teams that would have gotten them other years if things had fallen right. Because certainly most years of the playoff era, Georgia still would have made the playoff. Every other year, I think, maybe most other years, Florida State would have snuck in. And then there have been a lot of years, last year, for instance, where Ohio State would have gotten in. Because Ohio State made the playoff in 2022 because they were the least objectionable option. You know, we only had really three easy 
choices. And then it was like no fourth choice last year. And it was like, okay, well, uh, I guess Ohio State. You know, I mean, that was right, kind of right. that was kind of it. Right. They were the least objectionable option. And with uh, and, and with this year, you had other worthy teams, most notably. Uh, most notably Florida State and Georgia. But Ohio State was basically in the same situation as it was a year ago. And, you know, they didn't even sniff the thing this time. So it was kind of a a different year, uh, tumultuous in a lot of ways, um, you know, but uh, but a lot of fun too, sort of a rollicking ride that that ended on a a high note with a, a, you know, a worthy champion that had waited a really, really long time. You know, you know, say this about Michigan championship, and I don't know how much traction this has gotten, and I'm, I'm not sure there was at least one person on my set that didn't love it when I kept bringing this up, but now he's probably okay with it. I thought Michigan needed to win. And it, not that Washington didn't. They certainly did. But when you have more wins than anyone in the history of the sport and your last outright national championship, not to take away from 97, they were national champions right. and they were worthy, and they should celebrate that and they should always claim – that I'm not disputing that, but the last time that you were outright national champion, we just finished World War II a few years before. It was 1948. Mm. Michigan had a history of either not performing on that biggest stage or falling just a hair short of the biggest stage, and that was part of the legacy too. And they needed this championship to prove that they were more than just a compiler of victories for over a century, that they were, uh, that they were a championship program in the modern era. And I know they have the big 10 championships and a bunch of them, and those are worthy of celebration. But when you won more games than anybody, you need another national championship to validate that. Right. And, I felt like it was a really important moment in Michigan football history, and I thought they needed it. And and to their credit, they delivered it. Was I too aggressive in the post-game kind of celebration at the hotel when I came in the first time for a slice of pizza and kind of just walked away and then went back to my little table, right, and then the kids' table? And then when I came back in, was I too aggressive for that last slice of pizza? No, it was just sitting there. I don't even know who bought the pizza. I, I, when I walked into it, I was like, is there pizza left? And they're, yeah, I don't even know where it came from. If I had to guess, I would guess our friend Pat McAfee provided the food, but I don't know that. It was just there by the time I finished all of the stuff. That, that was the and, best and was, cold slice of pizza I've ever had in my life at 1245 so a.m. I know. And, you know, this coming from uh, for all the years we spent in Connecticut, I'm the ultimate pizza snob. And this was pizza pizza, and it was delicious. And typically, I've gotten to a point where I turn up my nose at virtually all pizza <laughs> that you? is not first from not first from Connecticut, <laughs> preferably preferably New Haven or or uh, Lisa's Luna in Simsbury, uh, Little City, also good. I can also I can also abide uh, John's of Bleecker in New York City, though Connecticut pizza better than New York City. And as Kyle Flood and I have discussed, the, uh, the great Kyle Texas, Flood, yeah, the great Kyle Flood, Conti's in Princeton, New Jersey, is also a worthy competitor. Uh, but all of these other pieces, people say, "Oh, it's great pizza." No, no, it's really not. You know, I, I've, I'm a full-fledged pizza snob, and to tell you that I've thoroughly enjoyed that Pizza Hut pizza. And I hope they cold, give me some type of endorsement. Unbelievable! Deal. I don't. I, you know what? I'm such a pizza snob. I don't even know they would have to give me serious money to endorse pizza that's not Pepe, Sally's, Modern, Luna, Little City, <laughs> or something like that in Connecticut, or John's and Bleecker, or Conti. Now, don't get me started on Chicago pizza, which I also love. It's just a different dish. It's just a different thing. Hey, at 1245, like, I, but you, you haven't eaten since like 11 a.m.? I mean, it was like yeah. a filet mignon. It was great. It was, it was phenomenal. Great. Let me finish this on the Chicago pizza and run you right through your commercial break. Come on, the, hey, you know, come I, on with it. I don't like, I don't like the uh, thin crust, burnt crust, even the, you know my, my fellow Connecticut pizza lovers who like dismiss out of hand Chicago pizza. Chicago pizza is delicious. It's just different. It's okay to have different things that you yeah. enjoy. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, with you. It's, it's just different. 
You know? Well, next time you're in Columbus, Ohio, Tommy's Pizza Old no, Oven Extra Sauce. Come on I'm, with it. I'm not even. I'm not even listening to Columbus, Ohio pizza when I when I lived in Connecticut for 27 I'm years. I'm telling you, Tommy's is amazing. I mean, Colum- Colum- hey, give me a break. You want me to set you off Come right on. now on that on that note? Get ready for this one. My wife and kids Christmas morning watching a Christmas story. Finally, after 22 years of marriage, 17 years old, 15 years old. Tell me, Dad, we don't like a Christmas story. What? I, hey, look, I thought Marin and I were tight. I, I am. I was as shocked as you were. That's why she avoided you at the hotel for two days. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to set that young lady straight. Uh, give me, give me it. What kind of Red Rider BB gun? What is it? Come on with it. Come on. There's a Red Rider carbonation shot range model air rocket with composite a thing that tells time. Um, <laughs> Reese Davis, but ladies and gentlemen, right I, there. From I, I went to now. I went to another while I'm plugging establishments. I went to uh, Maple <laughs> Street Biscuit here in Jack's Beach, and one of the things they were doing, rather than taking your name, when uh, when they got your order, they would say, "What was your favorite Christmas present ever?" So you know that's what Red I a BB gun. And, yeah, and she said, "How long did that take you to memorize it?" I'm like, "Memorize what?" <laughs> 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 R&D, you're the best, brother. Thank you so <laughs> much right, for putting a bow on the 2023 college football season. Reese Davis here with us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80 with Jake Asman. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. And, and uh, Jake, reacting to that, right? That last part that Reese just said. I mean, I, I, you go, you, you think about the, the NFL and then having to deal with NIL on the portal. And there is zero doubt in my mind that with the state of the NIL and portal had an impact on Nick Saban deciding today, according to Chris Lowe and their report out there. And, you know, and there are reports now that Nick Saban has addressed his team, that he is stepping down as head coach of Alabama. And with Jim Harbaugh, whether it's bird in hand in a hundred plus million dollar contract at Michigan with a no NFL clause in that contract by many reports, right? From Ward Manuel, a former Michigan football player under Bo Schembechler as well, the athletic director at Michigan, or go to the NFL where you don't have to deal with re-recruiting your own team, poaching a friend's roster, right? Everything that's going on right now in college football. How much of that do you think impacts the decision by Saban today and Jim Harbaugh's decision in the future? I think it plays a major part, and I think specifically, Ian, with Harbaugh, he's always, to me, felt like an NFL guy more than a college guy, and I get it. He's just coming off winning a national title, but what this guy did as an NFL player was certainly notable. He wasn't great, but he had a career, and then obviously, he had tremendous success in the NFL. When he left the Niners, it always felt like there was unfinished business, so I think particular with him, a guy who's went to you know three NFC championship games, went to a Super Bowl, it always, to me, kind of felt like... There was more he wanted to accomplish. I think he desperately wanted to win at Michigan, his alma first. But now that he's done that, it feels like given all the new rules and the different landscape that is college football, he has to deal with. And everything that happened this year with being suspended twice just feels like he's ready for that next challenge. Yeah, and I, I, you don't fault him for it. If you're a Michigan person, right, you're, you're like, hey, man, thank you. Like, you know, Bo Schembechler, it's, it's Shem, when you go and call a game at Michigan – you go meet the coaches at Shem Beckler Hall, right? I mean, that's that's royalty. Well, Harbaugh now, but but Bo finished his career there, like the Woody Hayes facility at Al- at at Ohio State. He finished his his career there. I mean, it's it's you know Bryant Denny Field, right, and and Paul Bear Bryant Drive in Tuscaloosa. But Harbaugh isn't going to, in my opinion, and it sounds like yours. And to a tone there with Reese, right, that Harbaugh is going to go back to the NFL. And, and I, I don't fault him for it with all the crap you have to deal with right now in college football as a head coach. Is Will he be embraced the way that Paul Bear Bryant is, where you know Nick Saban will be, where Bo Schembechler is, where Woody Hayes is? Will there be a Harbaugh Hall at, at Michigan? I think there will be. The, damn, the dude brought a natty. For the, the consensus natty for the first time since 1948 to Michigan. No doubt. And he beat Ohio State his last three attempts at facing the Great Buckeyes. Great point. So you do that, you win a national title, and it's not you know a shared title. It is a clear cut. You're the national champions, undisputed. I mean, 
He's one of the all-time greats, and he's a Michigan man, and a Michigan man brought them a national title. So regardless of what he does, he's a legend forever. Yeah, I think you ride off into the sunset and go coach in the NFL if I'm, if I'm Jim Harbaugh. Again, if you are just tuning in, Chris Lowe reporting that Nick Saban retiring as the head coach of Alabama. Pete Carroll also stepping down as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he will now be an advisor in Seattle. More on that coming up top of the hour when Albert Breer joins us, uh, who has insight into college and pro football. But coming up next... Could another legendary head coach be saying, you know what, I'm done also? Details on that right here on ESPN Radio. Charles Barkley coming up in the final hour of the program. You don't want to miss this at 9.15 Eastern time, 6.15 Pacific, on Nick Saban retiring as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Chris Lowe reporting that it is done. Uh, Reports are also that he has informed the team so uh, Nick Saban stepping down after 28 years as a college head coach, a career that includes seven national championships, 12 conference championships, 19 bowl wins, and Nick Saban never had a losing season. And he went through different eras into, into the NIL portal era. To me, he is the greatest college football coach, uh, better than Bud Wilkinson, better than Bear Bryant, better than all of them because he did it in different ways in different eras. Because uh, with Jake Asman in, in for Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio. Jake, before we get into the future of his mentor and Bill Belichick, Saban did it where Bud Wilkinson and, and Bear Bryant, and you, you could go and get 150 players, and you're good, right? So you're preventing your, your opposition from having elite talent. Well, Nick Saban was in the 85 scholarship era. And then went into you know the NIL and portal era, and he still found ways to improvise, adapt, and overcome, and continue to dominate the game of college football. I'm with you, Ian, and I know it's hey, it's sports talk radio. We're supposed to debate, and and I'm supposed to say you're wrong. Here's why, but I I, I don't think it's debatable. I hate that part, man. I, I hate that we've evolved <laughs> into that, and that ain't me. But go ahead. Me too. Which is why I've enjoyed working with you tonight. I, I I'm a thousand percent right there with you. I think when you look at Nick Saban's career. Everywhere he went in the college ranks, the man won. The fact that he obviously has the national titles at Alabama, six of them. He also won at LSU. He had success at Michigan State. Then you just look at, as you bring up, the different ways he won, the different styles he won. He won some years where he had this great quarterback, but then he also won some years where he didn't have the best quarterback. He won years where he needed to win in the college football playoff. He won he years in the BCS. He got the college BCS. football playoff of Blake Sims as his quarterback. He's, he's done everything you could do to win, which is why I think given his accomplishments and given where this sport seems to be headed, and you're certainly more plugged in on this than I am, it just feels like he maybe looks at it like, I'm good. You know what? I'm 72. I've won. I have a, a great life. i got a great family. I don't need to put up with this anymore. And I'm going to ride off into the sunset still at the height of my powers because let's be real. And you and I talked about this earlier in the hour. Nick Saban was this close from having another opportunity to win an eighth national title this past Monday. Overtime, bro. Overtime, man. I mean, uh, a fourth and three. (laughs) He's three yards from going and contending for another national title. Now, and with Jake Asman in for Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio. His mentor is Bill Belichick. We've already seen Nick Saban step down. We've seen B- Pete Carroll, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, won a Super Bowl, won a natty at USC. He has stepped down. We'll stay on as an advisor for the Seattle Seahawks. Will we see now Nick Saban's mentor, Bill Belichick, also say, you know what, I'm done here in New England? He might be done in New England. But I don't think he's done coaching like Nick Saban is. I think Bill Belichick is still dead set on coaching so he can at least break Don Shula's all-time wins mark, which means he's going to have to coach probably at least three more seasons and average at least nine or ten wins, if my math is correct. He didn't sound like a guy when he spoke to the press earlier this week, Ian. That was done. He mentioned the fact that he's under contract, which is something he has never done, according to people that cover the Patriots regularly. So it sounds like he's not done and he still wants the coach, the question is, is it in New England or yeah. is it somewhere else? But I don't think he's retiring. Man, and here's the thing. When you hire a new head coach, whether it's at the collegiate level in Power 5 football or in the NFL, you're looking for an 8- to 10-year run. That, that's ideal. 10 is, is a blessing. That, that's like 
football manna from football heaven, right? I mean, if you get 10 years out of your head coach. You ain't got 10 years in Bill Belichick. So if you are the Chargers, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Titans, I mean, go on down the list, right? Are you bringing in Bill Belichick or are you bringing in Mike Vrabel? Are you bringing in Jim Harbaugh? Because to me, right now, this is going to sound crazy, but I think Vrabel and Harbaugh are way ahead if I'm a GM and an owner of any NFL team. They are ahead of Bill Belichick. I agree. And I'll tell you why. I think this is also part of the conversation. Is he willing to not be the GM? Is he willing to be the just the coach? Because in New England, he was doing everything. Is he going to go to a new organization and be okay just being the guy that coached the players and not being the guy to pick the players? I think that's part of it too. Does he, does he want that responsibility or that lack thereof responsibility in a new gig? Is this day going to go down as, as one of the more historic days in coaching history where you have Pete Carroll? I mean, again, I think Pete Carroll is maybe because he's in Seattle is underappreciated as to what he has done with the, with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, he's he's one you know one play away from having multiple Super Bowls and an NCAA title. And I don't give a damn about the Reggie Bush stuff because with NIL right now, that thing I, I count it right. I'm counting that thing right in, in 05. So. He's got a natty and a Super Bowl. What he's done in Seattle, to me, I think he's underappreciated. What do you think, Jake? Pete Carroll's one of the great winners of all time. Amen. If you think about it, you know, not everyone could be Belichick, not everyone could be Nick Saban, but Pete Carroll's right there. He's as far seventy as... plus, and he looks like he's fifty. I hate the man. I mean, he's still just full of energy. His press conference earlier today was quite emotional. And how about this for a stat? Nick Saban replaced Pete Carroll at Ohio State as the secondary coach back in the 80s. So on a day in which both guys are stepping away from their respective <laughs> jobs, that. That's a Nick great Saban – Say that one more time. One Nick more time. Saban replaced Pete Carroll at Ohio State as their secondary coach back in the 80s when Carroll, I believe, left to be the defensive coordinator. I forget at which school. But that, it's, just, it's absurd how long these guys go back, and they know one another. One, of the, one guy replaced the other on a day in which both guys are out of their respective gigs. Man, you can't make that up. That's 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 a great tidbit from you, Jake. Uh, I, I'm a college football junkie and historian, and I had no earthly idea that that had happened. He's Jake Asman. God bless him. He's a <laughs> hell of an American on me, Infant Simmons. Albert Breer weighs in on the future of Saban, Harbaugh, Belichick, and, and more right here on ESPN Radio.